We interrupt your regular schedule of Shock Treat Minute to proudly present a specially broadcasted bonus episode. Burr, 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 burr. Katie? Katie. Yes. Katie. Yes. Katie. Yes. Katie. Katie. I can't believe who we have as our next guest. Susan from my favorite podcast, The Shining 237, and most recently comedy film funnel will you guys stop please (laughs) you're so you're always so nice to me it's so i don't know how to handle it i don't know how to handle that but it's so nice to be here with you guys i love you guys oh we love you yes so much you're like your your voice is you just like you just light up the room you're just your voice is just light. so i have to tell you i mean it's so nice i'm so glad you guys are back on a second season and doing this and i hope you keep doing this forever um but yeah so i'm excited that you guys are tackling shock treatment we are so 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 happy to have you come back on our show it was like a dream of mine to talk Rocky Horror with you. And I would have um, any excuse to have you back on. Right. Um, (laughs) And our next main episode, we will be profiling Manning Redwood. Yes. Which is totally linking our two film podcasts. And we have another uh, crossover too, but I don't want to spoil that yet. Okay. No, I know. I know. There's a few there's a few little things. Yeah. There's a few little things. Oh, yes. I like I said, I'll figure out any excuse to bring you back. <laughs> so much has changed for you since we last spoke because you are very close to wrapping your second yeah, season. I, I have I have not released the final episode. I'm I haven't recorded the final episode, but I've been it's <gasps> I'm overwhelmed. I do the the Antichrist is the Antichrist keeps calling me up and saying, "When are we going to record this final episode where you interview me?" And so I, we have to do it. Um, but you know, I basically just have one more scene of Rosemary's Baby, then we're done with Rosemary's Baby six six six. And then yeah, I but so in the meantime, I have launched another podcast. So it's just between you know everything, life is you know I'm. Just is chock full so mm-hmm. it's yes. i'm doing a, Busy. a yes yeah so i'm doing a comedy we, joe dater who is a new yorker cartoonist who is of course if anybody has listened to my show they've probably heard joe because he's frequent guest on both of those mm-hmm. um podcasts that i've done and so we decided to start up a new endeavor which is just looking at comedy films um we're right now just doing it on youtube but we're eventually going to get an audio version of it up um and and that's like that's just been terrifying being on video you guys should do it by the way you guys should go on video <laughs> Because I know people want to, they'd want to see you. They'd want to see you. We had one of our, very kind of you. One of our (laughs) friends on YouTube, or one of our friends on Instagram has a YouTube channel. And she asked us to record like a little promo for her channel. And it was um, the hardest minute and a half for us to record. And it took like, what, 20 minutes? It took so many takes because like there's no editing down the like pause breaks or yeah. the ums or the stutters yeah so I just am such a perfectionist that 
I think doing video format would drive me crazy. You know what? <laughs> I just vis I edit the hell out of our video. And you can see it. If you watch our videos, you just see chop, 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 chop. And I'm like, I don't care. I just want it to sound good. I mean, you can see us. It's kind of interesting to see us. But I also yes. want it. I don't want those pauses. I don't want those ums. And I just edit. I'm like, whatever. You know, I just do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got. But it's it's so labor intensive. I mean, that's why it's been really difficult to wrap up Rosemary's Baby because it's so labor intensive to do this video cast um, between, mm -hmm. learn, you know, the learning curve of just editing video and, all, and learning how to put makeup on. I don't know how to put oh. makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love it because you theme it. Like you did like a vampire look yeah. for what we do in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I love the video format because you also are cutting in like bits of the movie that you're referencing to. Yeah, yeah. So that it really pulls in the narrative of what you're kind of the story you're telling in your in your episodes. Yeah. And you also, you always pick the right like touch pieces in history to like kind of take me there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So well, I, I feel like, you know, that's what we're doing. That's unique because I mean, there's so many, you know, video podcasts, but you know, we're trying to tie in a lot of history. Like, so when we talk about the Marx brothers, we're, you know, talking about their whole lives and, you know, how, and their, their position in comedy history and, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, it, so that's it, But again, it's like a ton of research and then it's a ton of editing because I'm putting in all mm -hmm. of these clips and images and like we did Cabin Boy. And so I got all this Letterman stuff and I got all this Bob and Ray stuff and, you know, I'm putting it all in and it makes it, mm -hmm. I think, a really fun show. But it's really, really, really a shoot load of work. So anyway, <laughs> but you oh, know, yes, anyway, but yeah, it's 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 different for sure. It's different. Well, I loved the Team America episode as well. Oh, good. Because that's one of those movies that I've been listening to you talk about these rather serious subjects for a few years. Mm -hmm. So it's so fun to listen to you have this different take on this whole different genre. And they're, I can tell that they're movies that you're really enjoying watching uh, as maybe a, a, a lightweight break from... Yeah, talking to the, the Antichrist. <laughs> well, I think I think the whole you know I I really honestly I I came to this feeling of like I think the whole world needs more comedy. Like I felt like mm -hmm. this is I you know because I've been depressed because of what goes on in this world, and I mm -hmm. felt like uh, it honestly is almost a little bit of a service to present comedy and look at comedy yeah. and just throw up all these wonderful little clips and you know make people laugh as much as possible so i i i mean i i always will be a horror fanatic but um i just needed to shift gears for sure and i just think it's like i, I just the world needs this shift i mean just for a while at least um i, I just feel more comfortable in a way bringing um jokes mm -hmm. uh fo pushing jokes forwards instead of pushing like people being cut in half and you know that kind of thing so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and the co concepts can get kind of dark and then you have to sit in that for a while and just think yeah. about it for so many hours a week like yeah yeah it's so much more fun to kind of I mean the the research on the Thunderbirds must have been so fun yeah I had no idea it was such a true rip off to, yeah to yeah yeah there's just so much um you know there's just so many tangents you can go on uh, you know yes uh there's a, you know again all the best comedies have so much history behind them and um again you know uh 
yeah, just between the what went into like Team America, which was insane, you know, the amount of work they put into it, and mm-hmm. the history of what they were riffing, what they were parodying, uh, is just fascinating in itself. Um, and you know, like again, living inside Wendy's head, which is what I tend to do. I mean, we're empaths, right? So like living inside mm-hmm. Wendy's head and living inside Rosemary's head is a lot of it's it's hard. It's not easy. It's heavy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, but thanks for thanks for having you know watch that and and um, uh, you know so yeah we and we're doing movies we really like because it's more fun anyway it's, you know instead of you know it, it's it's just like yeah more fun to be enthused yes hell yeah well take as long as you need on Rosemary's Baby because like I will listen to it whenever you put it out <laughs> she's not going um, anywhere no she's, it has to be good right. I don't want to do it unless it's good so yeah I gotta just yes. have the time and do it right so yeah yes and you are absolutely a binge-worthy favorite of mine. And if I didn't gush enough the last time you were here, truly you are a main source of inspiration on our entire project. And I couldn't thank you enough for your work and Uh, for being here. You're so sweet. Thank you. Yes. Um, I just just needed to also bring up that I I used our Twitter uh, a couple of months ago. Whoa. Uh, that's so unlike me because our Twitter is cruelly misused. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just don't. I I'm not like into the, the Twitter. Yeah, thing. we're not we're not Twitter yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. I tweeted you because Alana Glazier announced false positive. Oh, and have you watched? Have you no. watched it? No, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I, I haven't watched it yet. Are, are you are you waiting to watch it or I, I don't know why I, I forgot to... I, I've been so busy I've been so busy I've been so busy really yes. not all of us have time to immediately <laughs> no. drop everything and watch every movie no I heard you guys say on your episode zero that your TV um you know TV nuts and I'm just like I just yeah I haven't been I haven't been I've just been so I I, I haven't watched anything I haven't watched anything yeah well, once you do, you need to tweet me back your thoughts because I thought it was honestly quite a tasteful homage to not only the one movie you thought it'd be referencing of your podcasts, but quite possibly both. Ah, okay. I feel so yes. bad that I didn't watch it. Yeah, I, you know what? I keep looking. I'm, I'm literally looking at an ad for it right now. It's like staring me in the face, like boss <laughs> positive. And I love her. I love you know. I, I love her. I love her. Yes. And I, I love Broad City. Yeah, the whole thing. Yes, me too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think especially if you love her writing and like her comedy, I think you'll love the script. And I felt like it was really satisfying. Like yeah. it satisfied what I felt was missing from Rosemary's Baby with not without giving you too much I don't oh, want to now I want to do you. now I want now I want to do a follow-up now I have to I forgot to watch it now I need to watch it and like get on mic with you again uh, maybe, <gasps> oh my maybe, gosh yeah we should do something like that we should do a patreon on false positive because I would totally hell yeah do that. yeah oh yeah. my gosh hell yeah hell yes okay. tell me when and where and I will right. 100% be there for real we'll definitely um, do that we'll definitely do that we're gonna do a patreon on false positive <laughs> okay oh my gosh pinching myself okay but when you consider like these movies that are homaging or even just straight up remaking these just like iconic masterpieces that when you examine them, it's like everything is perfect and you couldn't change anything because it all pays off yeah. or was 
timely to the pop culture or was just, you know, just so iconic to to the narrative of the movie even that do you like homage movies or are you yeah a, a I, I mean, I think, to the classics no 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 i think it's all a like stepladder of people you know following each other um and you know climbing each other's shoulders all these movies i mean everything goes back to something mm-hmm. you know what i mean so mm-hmm. yeah i mean absolutely um and in fact you know i was just saying as far as comedy like my favorite comedy is when it is straight parody and they're you know i mean mm-hmm. which is partly homage you know of course and uh mm-hmm. you know that's like where th- where they're really trying to capture exactly what it was before it was made into a comedy you know i love that stuff i just love it Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, and we're we're totally realizing with our Patreon series after watching all of these really classic horror and sci-fi movies mm-hmm. that every single horror movie is based off of these. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, we'll watch them and we'll be like, "That's from this. That's from that. Oh, I can see where they pulled this from." Like John every Carpenter. single one of them. All yeah. of the Rocky Horror references are also just like so. Yes. glaringly uh, obvious mm-hmm. once yeah. you go oh, yeah. back and watch them. Yeah, that was his whole thing. Yeah, he was in love, right? In love with that, you yes. know, the old black and white stuff. And yeah, that was what it was. And I mean, it, but again, he, you know, uh, what he did with it is like nobody else could have done it except for him, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, yes. it, it's just beautiful. Um, but, you know, everything is, every, you know, and, and I'm learning that going back in time with movies, you know, how much everything... Mm-hmm is a reference to everything else and you don't even realize it until you start really just devouring this stuff and um, learning the history of it and how um, the Marx Brothers were, you know, the reason the Marx Brothers were who they were was because of all of these tropes in vaudeville. Like they seem so unique, like they came out of nowhere. But no, people were doing Harpo's kind of character for years before that on stage. Or, um, you know, it's just sort of, it's really interesting. Like how much, how how many things are just rip-offs of Shakespeare? Everything is a yeah. Like, everything is a continuum. It is just almost it's almost non-existent that someone just you know comes up with something out mm-hmm. of the, the blue. But you know, again, Rocky Horror itself was so unique, and it just shows you what you could do sewing together something into a beautiful Frankenstein that is just its, its own, completely on its own animal. Even though it is a, a part of you know an homage, you know, it's it's it is interesting. Yes, oh, I love how you put that. Absolutely. And good segue, because that brings us to our real reason for the crossover today. And thank God he's a man manning Redwood. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> he's the father of our heroine in shock treatment, and some might be surprised to discover he is also the Forest Service radio operator. Uh, Scatman Crothers speaks to, correct? Yes, he's the one Scatman speaks to. Um, and I think his, that was, you know, kind of his first big movie role, um, mm. right? More or less. Well, it comes out, um, let's see. So he was doing a lot of television. And then I guess, I don't know which was filmed first. Because The the Shining took so long to edit. I, I kind of wonder mm-hmm. which was, do you know which one was filmed first? Between How, this and Shock Treatment? Yeah. Between Probably Shining the Shining. And, yeah. oh, the Shining, yes. The Shining, for sure. Yeah, it was filmed first. Yeah, okay. Yes. Right, so it's 1980, and it was, yes, yeah, so it would have been a little bit just, a, so that was his first kind of, um, but he did a lot, he had done a lot of television. He had, you know, had a, starring roles and, and stuff in television, 
it's a minor minor bit in the shining but um you know it's I, I, we had our, our little theory someone one of my guests brought up uh, brian dupree from papaholics <laughs> had brought up the idea that maybe even he's a ghost like which i loved i love the idea that you know in the shining Ooh. i think yeah you know there's all these i have all these crazy theories you know we've talked about these things but um that you know maybe both barry denon's role um and uh you know <laughs> Uh, God, I'm blanking out on like the whole shining. Ullman, Ullman. Ullman, yes, for sure. <laughs> Definitely be... Barry Denon. Bar- Barry Denon. He's uh, yeah. not talking to anybody. He's just observing. Yeah. For sure. The, the two the two characters, Ullman and Barry Denon's character is, uh, what is it, Watson? Is it Watson? Yes. So Watson and Ullman are... You know, they are either influenced by the hotel. You know, there's there's a possibility, and we discussed why we think mm-hmm. this, that they're inf- being either being influenced by the hotel or they themselves are ghosts. So someone had brought up the idea that Manning Redwoods were all even could even mm-hmm. because he's just throwing roadblocks in in the way of, every you know, oh mm-hmm. no, you can't reach them. You know, you can't reach them. So anyway, it's just a just a possibility. Like you know, they that everybody's kind of feeding that hotel feeding the soul of that hotel with um, sacrifices, you know, whoever's whoever's staying for the winter. So anyway, so it's an interesting role. Very, very minor. He's he is American. um, And but he ended up moving uh, to the UK right in. uh, I guess he did The Shining and he was like, oh, I like it here. (laughs) And he he ended up living there the rest of his life, I think. Yeah. Wow. Um, So let's do it. Let's just go. Let's just just. Katie just looked at me like, let's casually pack our bags. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. Let's go. No, he was, he was born in New York, I think, and, and uh, moved there. And because um, uh, I was thinking, like, is he faking? I thought I thought maybe he was British and he was doing an American accent. But nope, he's all American, as as fits the role here in shock treatment, of course. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I could not believe. And I, like, saw a, a meme or something somewhere saying that he, it was the same guy. And I looked at it and I... Just could I, it was he's one of those characters in The Shining that's like the bartender Lloyd. If I saw him in another movie, it would probably take me uh, a name recognition point out to be like, oh yeah, that's him. I just did that on Twitter. Somebody met um, met um, Churkel, um, J- <gasps> Joe, Joe Churkel, and he was like, oh my god, you know, I met the Blade Runner guy. And I said, well, he was the bartender in The Shining. He was like, what? <laughs> so, anyway. Um, but yeah, these guys. The iconic scene. The one bartender. But he didn't oh. connect. He never connected it. He like never connected it. And yeah. yeah, it's very hard to connect. You know, these these really good character actors are chameleons, you know. Now, I mm-hmm. never, I never noticed Barry Denon in shock treatment. I never noticed him. It was only, honest to God, it was only this last time just now, like the right before for, you know, when I was preparing for this show, that I finally mm-hmm. was like, "There's Barry Denon. There he is." Yes, because <laughs> he's yes. another he's another chameleon, you know. Yes, absolutely. And he's got a mustache on, so it fooled you. Yeah, and, and Manning <laughs> Manning Redwood does that too. He's he's been in James Bond movies, and you just you would not you just wouldn't recognize him. He looks so different with a mustache. He just is he just looks so different <laughs> movie to movie. But oh, he's well, so good. He's so good. Oh yes. What did you, so what is your, like, opinion on shock treatment? Had you seen it, bef- like, a few times before? What is your, I think I've your seen thoughts? It, I think I've probably seen it, like, three times. Um, it was only probably within the last, like, five years that I ever saw it at all. 
if not mm -hmm. even less, maybe three years. And um, uh, so I had, you know, I'd been familiar with Rocky Horror since, you know, much earlier from when <laughs> I was in college and earlier, you know, and I was, like I had told you guys, I actually knew all the music when I was in sixth grade. Yes. My friend Lori had the <laughs> album. So anyway, but um, so I, um, I, so yeah, I, I was late to the game with Chalk Treatment. Um, and uh, now I just, again, probably just for the third time was just preparing for this show. And I like it a lot. Now, I, I almost hate to say anything negative about it because I'm so happy it exists. You know what I mean? Like, Sure. Yes. Yeah. And it was just such an obviously harrowing experience for these guys to put this movie together. You know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so God bless them. I mean, it's just like it's a great movie. It's not as, you know, to me, it's not nearly, not nearly as good as Rocky Horror. Like, not nearly. But, yeah. but I really appreciate it. Like, I'm really glad it was made. I enjoy it immensely, um, and I almost hate to, you know, start throwing out criticisms about it because no, please, yes. I I will definitely go out <laughs> and say away. on you know on my own accord I will say I like the soundtrack way better than I like the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what's amazing is the production design, and mm -hmm. they clearly threw that together. But you know, you could tell it's kind of thrown together, and they didn't have a ton of money. But that the whoever you know that it was a very good eye that they had a very good eye. Yes. The colors are amazing. They're just so cool. And yes. um, I really want to point out what I think is a big tie-in, not just The Shining. But Clockwork Orange, I think this is very influenced, um, if not subconsciously mm -hmm. influenced, but it reminds me a lot of Clockwork Orange, which again is oh, similar. Yeah. And again, the colors, the you know, even the pinks and greens, and you know, the, they they almost have, have a matching color palette a little bit. These two movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and and um, the sort of cheesiness, but you know, kind of tasteful cheesiness of of the look of it. And the costumes are so amazing, and so pop, they just pop like crazy, you know. And and then of course, um, it's fascinating that they're both kind of similar dystopias. Um, and there was yeah. really nothing that much like a Clockwork Orange before that came out. Speaking of, you know, complete like, you know, kind of jumping the the continuum and making your own very very novel movie that you can't really it's kind of hard mm -hmm. to reference clockwork orange was like that but shock treatment mm -hmm. in itself is like that too and but but the one movie i would reference backwards from shock treatment is as a clockwork orange yes i I'm, never even thought to connect the now two but now you've said it a double Ooh. feature and just see yeah. how we can uh yeah how just sad we can feel at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I know. But that's, I love that comparison because, yeah, it's like the long tracking shots, a lot of walking down hallways. Well, and even the costume design, like you could totally see the audience members from Shock Treatment <gasps> in the record store. Ooh. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Mm hmm. And his and Alex's mother yeah. dresses like that. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Like the character, the kinds of characters, these older people. You know, the the um, you could absolutely just replace um, Humphreys and pl plop them down in Clockwork Orange, like no problem. Like <gasps> yeah, no, Ooh. it would seamlessly. It would be seamless. And he's like bar. his parole officer. Yeah, exactly. Who, uh, well, I mean, even in the even in the milk bar, like I could just see. Oh yeah, just hanging I out. Could just see him in the in the milk bar. Oof. Yeah. 
And it's the same kind of dystopia, which is very also, you know, kind of just a unique, you know, you had Logan's Run, you had some really like kind of fun, futuristic, full body dystopias. But Clockwork Orange was a little different. It was very down to earth, you know, it was something you could almost mm -hmm. imagine. It wasn't that far into the future, really, you know, and mm -hmm. it was, um, you know, again, not like the, you don't see the budget being blown, you know, it was very like realistic kind of, kind of stuff. And it's earth, very earthbound, you know, it's, it's, uh, you can yeah. imagine it happening on the planet earth, you know, um, yeah. and also the comedy element, you know, that there's a winky winky. I mean, this is way more comedic than a clockwork orange, but they do have a similar comedic take, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. um, the style, the comedic style, the comedic a little take. twisted and you, they both make a big fat nod to psychiatry and mental health. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm writing notes in my brain because this is something <laughs> I want to talk to you about. Um, maybe a little closer to when they're talking about mental health, mm -hmm. uh, in mm -hmm. shock treatment. But the, uh, you were saying it's not anywhere, you didn't like it nearly as much as Rocky Horror. Is, I want to know if that's in any reason because of the cast. Yes, that's part of it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I'm going to really pop your bubble. I'm so sorry. I'm apologizing in advance. Because I know you guys love Jessica Harper. I love Jessica Harper in Suspiria. Yes. I think yes. That's a, I love that movie just in general. Like, it's just a masterpiece. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, mm -hmm. I, and I like her... Um, who she is, she fits into that movie very well because she's in the middle of it as sort of the blank slate that everything is happening to. But I do feel like she, I've never been a big fan of hers in general because I feel like she's a little bit of a flat actor. And so as in this role and also in the, the that other one she did that's similar, um, Phantom of the... In Phantom whatever. of the Paradise? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really like yeah. her in that either. And you know, I feel like she doesn't have the range to kind of carry the movie as the, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like she has the range th that she pulls off, you know, this, the me, me, me song and, and all that stuff. I, I just, I don't know. It doesn't quite, I, I felt like some, I just feel like somebody else could have done it better. And also I do feel like they didn't match. They should have tried a little harder to match <laughs> Susan Sarandon because Jessica Harper has such a much lower voice, you know, her, it's, yes. And a different look. And I, I don't know. I just feel like um, it would have been worth finding someone who was a little, had a higher voice and that kind of that girly, that super girly thing that Susan Sarandon did. You know, someone with a, a with a good singing voice. I know it's hard to get all those stars lined up, but I don't know. So, yeah, I'm not in love with Jessica Harper. In this movie. <laughs> well, with that, do you think that Shock Treatment is Rocky Horror's equal or sequel? Like, do you think that this is a continuation of our Brad and Janet? I love whatever it is, like the, the, that it is a, I think it is sort of like you guys had implied a parallel universe kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. I like, I think that's what it is. And yeah, I think, uh, and, and I do like the idea that, you know, really Richard O'Brien could have come up with several other yeah. concepts around Brad and Janet and some of these characters <laughs> and, and he could have mm -hmm. kept changing the identities of Riff Raff and Magenta. You know, pretty. I love that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And they're just they're just hopping around America. You're or describing around like a television show that <laughs> yeah. they're gonna put on like I don't know, Disney Channel in 20 years. <laughs> you know, that's just it's like it makes so much sense that it's gonna generationally become, just like, that. Yeah. It, it will evolve to being just a television show where they are going from place to place and they're just doing the same 
The magical misadventures of Riff and Magenta. Right. <laughs> Trademark that, Katie, right now. Oh, man. Because, okay, in that way, if, if it is not, if it is a parallel universe, does it then work that Jessica Harper is so different from Susan Sarandon? Does that more help that feeling that it's like, this can't even be the same person? No, I think the ideal would have been having the same people. And I think, I do think um, Cliff de Young, I do think Cliff de Young actually is close enough that it works. Mm-hmm. That you don't, you can almost, you know, you kind of forget, you know, but I just yeah, think I agree. Sure. Yeah. But I think the ideal is to really have, you know, it would be the, the, the dream would be to have the same actors always, you know, doing the same things. And uh, that would have been ideal. But, you know, what can you do? There's nothing they could have done. Because um, Susan Sarandon was just like a much higher tier of budget that they could not attain anymore. She like <laughs> exploded after Rocky Horror. Yeah. But she, you know, the reason she did, you know, she she owed them a little. I mean, it would have been nice of her to just be like, sure, you know. I mean, it was a really <laughs> quick shoot. I don't know. It would have been nice. But, yeah. You know. But it's just, it's a little jarring for, like, I just never am able to put those two characters together the two janets mm-hmm. like i just can't do that so uh, yeah and i mean you know it's just me that just for some reason that that bugs me um especially because <laughs> totally. you know you have that continuity so beautifully with everything else well i was gonna ask then you must think that riff and magenta are now cosmo and nation right yes 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 i, I okay. like the idea that they are they're just reinventing themselves as aliens reinventing themselves to further <laughs> to further sabotage the planet. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But then Nurse Ancelog, is she Columbia? Yeah. Okay, well, so then she's not did really Columbia an alien, right? die at the end of Rocky Horror? Oh, uh, I guess she did. Uh, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. See? I don't know. See, my thing is, I think. Cosmo Nation are Riff and Magenta, and they subconsciously liked Columbia so much that they found another girl who looked just like her and then, like, partnered up with her. They were like, oh, we like you. We'll adopt you. Well, if they're shapeshifters, they could have just had another alien shapeshift into Columbia's form. <laughs> yeah, some, some alien magic. Some alien magic, yes. for sure. I mean, yes. they're from outer space. They can do anything. You know. So then the humans, or... He may not be a human. Judge Oliver. Is he the same character as the criminologist? I like to think so. I like to think so. Yeah. He got a promotion. (laughs) Because I almost like thinking that it's all of the Transylvanians were brought over into the second movie. And all of the human characters are who are in like the parallel universe. And that's why Betty is a different Betty. Mm-hmm. But maybe Ralph is also a shape-shifted Transylvanian that's just in Ralph Hapshot's form. But we're going to... I wrote later in my notes about shape-shifting, so I don't... We'll, we'll get back. We well, can get back to it. <laughs> you know, it's a different universe, so they're not, their minds are wiped of their former... The other parallel selves. You know, they're not, you know, they're not really... So, I, you know, I don't know. Something like that. That's sort of how I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's one way to see it. Like, yeah, let's go with string theory. I don't know, whatever, whatever the current, whatever the current theoretical physics theory is on parallel universes. I don't know. Right. Oh, but, man. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it would be just um, one universe over. That's what's going on. And then one more universe over something else. They're on YouTube. You know? <laughs> like, on the, they're YouTube superstars. And uh, I don't know. Well, that's so. OK, so it's interesting that you brought up YouTube because it's now a new platform for you. And 
it's like you've you've switched hats from podcasting to YouTubing, and like, what are your thoughts as a content creator on YouTube of it as a platform? Well, I think of what I'm doing as the same, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I am thinking of it as a podcast, and that I am putting this. I am going to be putting mm-hmm. it in an audio form. I just haven't. I just want to sort of build up our YouTube numbers before I do that. But, um, but I do think of it. I mean, I'm really, honestly, the reason we did it was because it's kind of a trend and it is a, another, you know, as far as making any kind of it, feeble attempt at making this into a career, I'm not saying I'm trying to make this into a career, mm-hmm. but hey, if I no, could make some. please. Yeah. I would know. love for you to make this your career. So, you know, if it, it's like, that was the trend. I would love so for it was, this to be our career. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. Yes, for that's all why of us. Yeah. That's, why was, that's why I think you guys should do it. But I think that it is a trend that people are showing their faces. And I have had people say, oh, good, I'm glad you're doing this because I never listen to your other podcasts because I only watch stuff on YouTube. I don't listen to podcasts. So, you know, it's just a different audience. So you're just hitting a different yeah. audience. So I don't have like any deep thoughts on uh, like it. To me, it's kind of the same. And I was terrified of showing my face. I'm not the kind of person who's and I, I mean, my the first when we were you, it, the under construction video, I look horrible. And you just sort of go, OK, I've got to learn how to put on makeup. I've got to, you know, like sit up straight and all this stuff. And uh, you know, it's a, I'm not that kind of person. Like, I'm definitely not. I'm not. I'm not a put the camera on me kind of person. So it was done no, sort of, but be, then a sort good of challenge. A good, yeah. uh, you challenged yourself and now you've conquered your fear. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of, hel- It's it, there's something, it is sort of good for you to do this. In a way, it's been like, um, I didn't expect it, but it does, you know, I'm, I'm a low confidence person really. And it, it is like, you know, you know, I can do this. I look fine. I'm doing fine. People mm-hmm. want to see my face. That's fine. You know, and, and it is. Um, I guess, you know, especially for females when we're raised to not think much, you know, we're so, you know, kind of, I certainly was always very, oh, I'm unattractive, blah, blah, blah. And, and in a way this has been, I'm middle-aged and I'm too old to be doing this, but I'm like, you know, I look fine. I look totally fine. And so that's really good for me, you know, so. Uh, I do encourage it. It, it. It's, you know, it's just like you said, a whole different set of challenges and you figure it out and you do it, you know, so. Yes. Oh my gosh. You look more than fine. Oh, I'm not trying you. to hit on you right now, but just to tell he can, you. He can hit on me. Um, <laughs> well, then you're totally fine. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Um, but like with, you know, shock treatment, examining reality television, I sometimes think of YouTube and, and think to myself, like, what a wonderful world of me and just all of the TV that I want to watch and your podcast is on there now and I can pick on that between that and Bachelor Fan Take and my <laughs> other like tiny house videos that I like to binge. Like <laughs> it's it's weird to me that like Katie could show me her YouTube page and it's completely different and she's getting a totally different story presented to her and she's also getting different ads than I am. Yeah. It's a lot of murder stuff on mine. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. All the true crimey things, and that's not Haley's bag. <laughs> I love true crime. Uh, I have a lot of. I have a lot of. Speaking of psychology, I have a lot of psych stuff. I always have a fascination with psychology, so I have like, yes. you know, narciss. I'm interested. You know, the subject of narcissism has become like this big thing, and a lot of really oh. interesting um, psychiatrists and psychologists and researchers talking about like what makes for this kind of personality. And of course, you know, just having been through the Trump years, you know, it's very 
very interesting. And so I have a lot of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, and, you know, so it's interesting that this movie too, you know, that shock treatment is itself really one of the pioneers, obviously, of talking of, you know, the meta analysis of television, which yes. I think that that's going to happen. And, and, and that's what we should be thinking about as far as the movie we're all going to write together is like some car, you know, meta, <laughs> meta analysis of YouTube, you know. Yes. But, oh, uh, yeah. Ooh, I'm in. Yeah. There was, there was some other movie we were supposed to write together. We have to go back and listen because I forget. <laughs> and we should be working on this. But anyway. Yes. Um, yes. But I think that, you know, this is, you know, we're going to see more stuff about YouTube and, and look, stepping away from all this. Um, but I love that shock treatment really was a pioneer, you know. And, and then you had the Truman Show, obviously, was a big one. There's so much that they came mm -hmm. after it. Um, Videodrome yes. came after it. One and of our first patrons, Gretchen, like immediately messaged us as soon as we announced that we were doing shock treatment. She was like, oh my gosh, I just watched the Truman Show after watching shock treatment and was like, they're totally ripping off shock treatment right now. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that's so crazy that it's, that, yeah, it's like not been examined, the, the concept of like what reality is real when it's being produced. Yeah, like they had people, I was sort of looking over like movies that focused on television and I mean it was just beginning to happen in the late 70s where you had Network and Americathon yes. and but you hadn't really, um, there hadn't really been a, you know, kind of a real dystopian kind of, you know, take on it. This really seems to be, as far as I could tell, the first. And then, um, you know, but also, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, dystopian movies, there's also nothing, again, except for Clockwork Orange that kind of matches it in tone. And then Brazil came out. And I think yes, Bra Brazil, I was just going to yeah. say, yes, yes I, I'm I, on the same wavelength. Yeah, no, this, 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 this time I was just watching it again, this third time, it's that Brazil finally hit me. I was like, oh, you know what, this, this really, I'm beginning to think about Brazil as I'm watching this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because Brazil too is so colorful and blurs the line of wait a second are they is he asleep right now or is or is he being brainwashed right now or is this real is he actually at work and they it just becomes more and more absurd so you start doubting all of the realities that are occurring the tone of the characters you know of course the mother um who's with her who has her face stretched you know again oh gosh, she yeah. is very much similar to what barry humphreys is you know as far as the cartooniness Ooh, you know yeah. and again it, it, it all matches you know again you could swap out these characters between these three movies you know clockwork orange this and brazil you could swap out those characters now also what 12 a triple feature yeah yeah <laughs> and also 12 monkeys which is also terry gilliam and and you know that has a lot to do with mm. psychiatry you know that has that psychiatry element to it which i i think is is great and interesting which also the clockwork orange had so you know there you go um they all have kind of psycho i mean it's funny that shock treatment doesn't really ever have anyone having shock treatment done to them you know they don't have <laughs> yeah. they're just kind of locked in a cage you know right there's right, pill i right. guess pills is a theme but there's not any like sci-fi psychiatric um you know it takes on but that's I, true i would say that shock treatment is missing an evil lab yeah like, we get a lot of the office of the mckinley office but you don't get like the beakers and all of the like an electric an electric grid that's going crazy the drippy uh be the drippy Beakers, things yeah, yeah. 
It seems like they should have played with yeah the idea of actually strapping him down and using electricity or doing mm -hmm. something, some Frankenstein kind of scene. I, I've Ooh. heard they do that with the theater version of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know your stuff. They had that's something they added in the like 2016 new adaptation. Yeah, the stage show. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Do uh, you watch, like, The Bachelorette or Love Island or Drag Race or any other or trashy reality TV? When when that stuff first came out, and again, I'm a little older than you guys, so I, so, like, Real World was, like, you know, really pretty much the first. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't have cable back then, so I, but I knew I would, if I had cable, I would be addicted to the real world. Like, I knew Ugh. that's my jam. Like, I want to watch that. But I never had cable. Like, when I was a kid, I didn't have cable. And then when I was an adult, I was always working shit jobs and didn't have cable. And so, you know, it was expensive back then. And um, so it took me a while. But so I really kind of caught up with reality television when, um, oh, what's the big, big brother? one? Survivor. 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 Yeah. So, which is a little mm -hmm. less, it's, it's a little more, you know, that's more of a game show. But I fell in love. I was a, absolutely addicted to Survivor. And then as they slowly started trickling in, like I remember Love Islands and all these, you know, stupid shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew they were garbage, but I uh, just ate them like candy. Mm -hmm. I just loved it and I couldn't <laughs> stop. But then I did kind of grow out of it. I have to say, like, I reached yeah. a point where I was like, I would watch, um, I'd watch like 12 seasons of Survivor and then go back to season two and not remember a single person and think, <laughs> I wasted so many hours. I don't remember these people. Ooh, yeah. And um, so I did kind of, uh, but I, I, I recently kind of got into um, that tattoo, that stupid tattoo one, because it's so stupid, but. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Ink Masters or Ink whatever? Masters, yeah. Ink Masters. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, and I love Project Runway. Love, and that's just, yeah. A good, yeah. that's just a good show. That's just, I will defend Project Runway, you know, all the way. Um, then you would love Drag Race. It's basically the same thing, but more fabulous. Yeah, I should. <laughs> if you I can know, believe it. I know I would like it. You know, again, it's like if I start, I will I will lose a lot of my life to that. I, oh, I know yeah. I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's it's wild because we, we talked about this in our last guest, guest episode about the idea of life contracts and how, like, for Drag Race or for The Bachelorette, they'll have the same people come back. I guess it's the same for Survivor, where they have all-star seasons and they bring like the ultimate competitors back for like their brawl seasons. I, I, I don't watch Survivor. <laughs> I also but. don't watch Survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's just crazy to think about these people and how they know what their experience was on these television shows but then there's a manufactured version of that reality that then mainstream pop culture accepts to be actual reality. Yeah. And um, I, I, just, I just wanted to toss that, that idea out there into, onto the table for a discussion because <laughs> it like boggles my mind sometimes to think of these people's lives. Yeah, well, I think that I, that was one of the reasons I kind of got off of it a little bit. I think in the beginning, like, I remember there was, it was called, like, The Love Ship or something. This was a pretty early reality show that was, it would be, they'd put a bunch of single people on a ship. And, um, and, and it was early enough that they hadn't quite figured out about scripting it so much. And these okay. people would, like, tear each other's throats out. And it felt pretty real. And I was thinking... Because, you know, the, I mean, people really do. You put them in a small amount of space and they're going to kill each other. You know, just human yeah. nature. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and I thought, 
that's you know pretty it seemed pretty legit and then but then as these things went on you know they kind of learned more and more how to script these and you could see the contriveness of it you know and it mm -hmm. became much less fun um but yeah so i just do feel like um you know but i you know i mean i think that's part of what i'm drawn to is the psychology of this mm -hmm. you know that they how humans you know how humans thrown together react to each other and if i don't feel like it's real i'm you know i'm just not interested in watching that but mm -hmm. i just love the bachelorette so much <laughs> and like i would say i'm a little obsessed with it uh -huh. and it's like i know all of them like they're they're these characters on a tv show like scrubs that is a cast narrative fictional sitcom right or like, or even like a drama, like a primetime ABC drama that's getting the same network placement as The Bachelorette is getting, you know? Yeah. And there's also like contestants that have like <laughs> climbed echelon tiers to become like A-list celebrities and they're like, or B-list celebrities and they're married to actual, quote, actors. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's just it's wild to me because then they're just supposed to be. Okay, but we do love Wells. Wells, right? Exactly. He's just <laughs> supposed to be Wells, the fun radio DJ from Nashville, but like the bartender from from Bachelor Paradise. Paradise, yeah. <laughs> but he's married to one of the daughters from Modern Family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think there's there's something a little bit healthy about this age of taking celebrities down a notch where mm -hmm. real people mm -hmm. can become celebrities via YouTube. You know, YouTube has been a little bit of an equalizer. I thought, you know, one of the good things about, this is a little different, but American Idol, I was not a big American Idol watcher, but I liked that you would have mm -hmm. very overweight people make it very far who would never have been signed by a record label because of their weight. You know what I mean? Because yeah, they yeah. just were good at singing. And the way the public would vote was more about really their singing than what they looked like. Or you'd have, you know, people who were not gorgeous really doing well on American Idol. And I thought, you know what? This is like shaking up the music industry because mm -hmm. until now, nobody was signing anybody unless they were gorgeous, you know? And mm -hmm. yeah. I like that. And I think YouTube's doing that. I think Twitter in a way has done that because now celebrities are on Twitter and they're just tweeting with everybody else. And you could just like yeah. tweet with, um, you know, um, Eric Idle tweets all the time and he just answers people all the time. And it, you're trying to like, <laughs> You know, I'm adjacent. I'm not that unadjacent with Eric Idle at this point because he answers what I, if I ask him a question, he answers right. it. And yeah. there he is. And I think it's kind of, and even our past president, you know, Trump in a way kind of brought the whole thing down because he made such a fool of himself being on Twitter. And, and mm -hmm. I sort of, the, the, you know, there's nothing healthy about Trump, but I think there's something healthy about the bringing, the sort of, um, you know, we're sort of taking down this concept of, you know, obviously, um, way back, going back to the 50s and earlier, celebrities were just these gods, you know? And I like that we've kind of demystified all of that and that, you know, there is this sort of um, culture now that, you know, you could be a plumber and if you come up with some really interesting content, you can actually become a yeah. known figure, you know? Well, even just being a plumber or like, one of the other videos that I watch on YouTube is like a power washing guy who exactly. literally just power washes the rugs that he his company is hired to wash. 
But like, yeah, ContraPoints, look at ContraPoints. She's brilliant. She's not like some academic and academics are like quoting her. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, there's like a lot of people who are just even on the highest level of like, intellectual discussion there's a lot of people mm -hmm. who you know they don't have phds in whatever they're talking about or philosophy or whatever but if they're making sense and they're actually like you know they're breaking through um and they're getting you know fair you know like respect um it's interesting you know it's very interesting and TikTok too is an equalizer like so many kids are on youtube or on TikTok right now that are doing rocky horror like cosplaying mm -hmm. and there's a different level of rocky horror resurgence that's happening with kids that are just like learning how to sew complete outfits out of other people teaching them this mm -hmm. is the these are the fabrics that i use this is the sewing pattern that i use like Right. It's like a collective hive mind, and I love it. <laughs> and I love, I do love that um, there's a dance culture on TikTok because it yes. just feels like we've become this um, planet where nobody dances anymore. It's like, I think that's one of the symptoms of, you know, our being a depressed uh, country. But oh, there, that's yeah. sort of becoming a thing. And, and you know, you yeah, you have these, like, this some kid in Atlanta come up with a dance move and, you know, it becomes, like, a cultural, you know, thing. I, I don't know. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, again, absolutely. it's kind of cool. yeah. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, so with shock treatment kind of examining all things that could be a reality television show, like how psychic were they in predicting this like you like you were saying network and there were other dystopian movies that were coming out at that time but it's it's so I, I don't know how it just feels so on the nose like yeah. as to what the reality that we're facing today <laughs> is like yeah I think I have a hard time saying that last part of the sentence <laughs> like it no. looks like 2021. It's incredible. It, no, they're, they're really, you know, again, the ones that came before were more like um, making commentary, uh, maybe doing satire, but not really, you know, this kind of pure dystopia, pure, you know, like this just takes it, like for going from network to this is just taking it to a whole other level. And it really <laughs> is just so incredible because that was there was you know you could almost predict this but you it would have been really hard it, you know it was, it was an incredible um it, you know he had incredible instinct for where television was going you know it's just it's yeah. and again it's just like with rocky horror how he had this incredible instinct for um pulling together past fashions and pushing mm. forward the punk movement before anybody yeah. was doing that and um, yeah, so he's just done it. You know, he did it. It just seemed like he did it twice. It really is incredible. Like he just nobody was making these points really about mm -hmm. um, television. You know, becoming its own television stars. You know, normal people. You know, the, the idea, yeah, of of capturing an entire town, being on TV, and and <laughs> and uh, you know, you would fight to be famous within this subculture, yeah. within this little yeah. bubble, this little bubble of this television station that is your entire town it's it's a it's incredible it really is yeah no I, lo I loved all of that I just yep <laughs> <laughs> no for, for yeah yes I was gonna say also um it, it and, and it brings to mind also um um oh never mind it's not worth going listing off all the tv <laughs> movies they just nobody else had done it nobody else had done it no please I'm 
this is I no, do just, know. I well, just well, just hear. just just movies that followed. Uh, you know, would also include Cable Guy, which I think is a great commentary, which is mm-hmm. quite a bit later. Um, Uf UHF was you know a good one. Um, Terror Vision is a good horror film version of kind of Ooh. you know making comment on television. Um, and then Pleasantville, of course, that black and white oh, that came out in the nineties. Um, and that's um, a great one. The Running Man, The Running Man, which was um, you know sort of Logan's Run kind of thing. But but uh, okay. anyway, but I just again, it's just you don't see anything like shock treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier how you loved the set design, you loved the costumes, and like it's all the same team from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. So I just love that it feels so different, and I it felt like they challenged themselves to the tenth times infinity degree because they knew what level people were like already analyzing their first work their only work yeah their baby and then they had to come back and do this sequel that had such high expectations and that's i think why the lighting is so mm, juicy and yeah yeah and the camera angles are just right and i think the story is good (laughs) it's yeah It's it's convoluted but i think it's it's there yeah, it's very uh, brightly lit. The whole thing's brightly lit, which is the opposite of Rocky Horror. It's, um, the colors mm-hmm. are, are you know, just bright instead of dark. And it's all, it's a complete, it's a beautiful complementary, like, palette and feel to the, you know, and then it's sort of a more open space. Um, you have these giant rooms, you know, that kind of thing that where the audience is and all the stuff that you wouldn't have seen in Rocky Horror, which was much more of a closed, claustrophobic kind of feel. And so, yeah, it's like really good on them to not repeat that stuff and do just do a complimentary, like a to- total contrast of that. That was that was mm-hmm. yeah. super smart. And they're, you know, again, just brilliant. And the, the colors, you do end up seeing them sort of in the 80s, you know, like that kind of pinks and greens. And um, yeah, yeah, there's it did end up being, you know, kind of 80s colors. That, and that, they also so much of the like red, white and blue bicentennial styling was like so big at that time and yeah. I don't know because I wasn't there I don't know how much one influenced the other and like if that was what people were wearing culturally like everyone was dressing in red white and blue because that's what like the department stores were manufacturing or if it was the movies were doing it and then people wanted to copy the styles of, for shock treatment, I don't I, no. By then, um, no, I don't think those were. It, I think we were just coming out of punk, and the dark colors, and well, actually, what was coming up was preppy. Um, also, you know, so uh. preppy was pink and green. That was thinking. Speaking of pink and green, that was um, kind of what was happening right about that time. So it did sort of, and then, but then, kind of that, um, you know, that palette you saw. Like I don't know how to explain it. It's like turquoise. And that sort of shocking pink, you know, sort of a, a fluorescent mm-hmm. pink. Um, those were the colors of around the eight, you know early late seventies, early eighties. I remember there was like when I was in high school, suddenly everybody's wearing fluorescent colors. Even they're wearing like yellows and oranges that were fluorescent, and okay. um, you know, just kind of switched over to that. I think the red, white, and blue motif was definitely just because they were 
trying to represent this was an American town and, you know, this was <laughs> super, you know, super America. This is, you know, there were, you know, was, that was the riff off of the patriotism and I'm a man and we're, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's lots of red, white and blue in The Shining, too. Yes, yes. And that, yeah. too, is I definitely, I think, a reference to being American as opposed to everything else. And, you know, the the, the, the statement on imperialism and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. definitely why that's there. So um, we have been additionally analyzing the referenced films in Science Fiction Double Feature on our Patreon. And we have some new tin foil to add to mm-hmm. our collective hats. Okay. We watched It Came From Outer Space. And Susan, I think we found our shape-shifting Transylvanians. Aha. So remember, you said that you thought it was like the the aliens from The Simpsons? Yeah. I think you're pretty close. Mm -hmm. Because it came came from outer space, has like these like weird kind of jelly-like creatures that are like like big blobs. Yeah, they're like big blobs with the one eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I love that movie. Okay, I had to to Google image it because like, you know, so many of these old movies have similar titles that I had to Google image. That's one of my favorites from childhood. Like that movie. It's so good. Freaked freaked me out. That monster is so friggin' weird. Yes. Eyeballs scare me. Eyeballs scare me. (laughs) and he just and it just comes out of the darkness and yeah his form is so strange but they shapeshift into people into people yeah so they can like look at people or like touch people maybe and then like yeah recreate how they look they knock them unconscious maybe and then they will they also steal the whole person's uh wardrobe Wardrobe. (laughs) <laughs> which I'll t- yeah they take brad and janet's clothes yeah in the ballroom they take their clothes yeah riff and magenta yes. when they're like drying them off yes yes that makes sense that that absolutely would work um i'll totally buy that i'll totally buy that <laughs> and then you know they're probably related to the thing right from the john carpenter's yeah. the thing yes yeah. it's probably Ugh. from a similar it's from the same or a similar planet yeah for sure <laughs> Because then I just think, like, is Richard O'Brien thinking this is the same species that's visiting from? Because at the end of the 1953 movie, they say they will return. Mm -hmm. So is that Richard O'Brien trying to write his own sequel? Yeah. (laughs) To It Came From Outer Space. space. (laughs) Because, so in the beginning of the film, we see uh, Tim Curry, Patricia Mm -hmm. Quinn, uh, Richard O'Brien, and uh, Nell Campbell at the Denton Episcopalian at the church. Mm-hmm. And then we see, like, what we assumed were all of the Transylvanians. Mm-hmm. But what if these really are all of the people from Denton? And then the shape-shifting aliens mm-hmm. copy yep. all of the people from the wedding, and that's who we're seeing at the Frankenstein place. I'll totally buy that. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love it. Because that's, like, that's one of those things that if we reach far enough, it kind of works. Yeah. But I... All of these movies, I'm pulling these references, and they're like, <gasps> could it be? Could that be what it is, that they just body snatched everyone? Because we also watched Forbidden Planet. Mm-hmm. And I like, okay, if Rocky Horror wasn't a sequel to It Came From Outer Space, it's a sequel to Forbidden Planet. Uh, because the concept of the id is discussed. Ah, yeah, monsters kind of... from the id, John. 
Right, right, that's right. So Forbidden Planet's the one. Right, right, right. So that's got Robbie the Robot. It's got yes. The, yes, yes. the force, the, the monster's like an electrical crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's a one-eyed, well, no, he's like a gorilla head on two really meaty arms. Yeah. But he's invisible. And the, the, the chick in the short skirt and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, Anne Francis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our yeah. favorite actor, our, our new favorite actor is Robbie the Robot. We're in love with Robbie. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's the thing is, you know, yeah, there's so much, so many um, concepts of alien concepts to take from. And, of course, anything, you know, anything's possible. You know, like, anything's possible. And, uh, you know, we're, of course... Just looking at the technology we can do here in real life, um, and yeah. you know, I mean, you know, so you can just imagine anything. Anything goes, and so yeah, I just <laughs> and if there are parallel, just throw in the parallel universe concept in mm-hmm. with that, and you just got you've got like all of it could easily make sense. We don't know yeah. exactly yeah. how to sort it out in our own brains, but it it easily makes sense to somebody out there. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, one sometime when they're listening to this in twenty twenty hundred. AD. Yeah, they're gonna be like, "This is old hat. This is we could do this. I could, I could do this in my backyard. I could do this." Yeah, Yeah. because the ancient Krell aliens were able to create a planet that solely generates electricity for them to project their thoughts through space and perhaps even time itself, (laughs) Uh, which creates id monsters, those Mm -hmm. invisible forces that are powered by the evil subconscious that has a lust for destruction and devastation. I bring this up because, well, first, I have a new theory around The Shining. Okay, good. (laughs) I'm I'm all all ears. I love that that's your reaction. What if all of it are just the characters' projected realities? Like... We're going to need some tinfoil for this one. So, like, when Danny and Jack are interacting, the reason why Danny seems to be on Wendy's side is because Jack feels that way. Feels that way. And then Jack is, like, aggressive and, like, scary and creepy toward his own son because... That's how Danny Danny, feels about how his father is acting. Right. And then, like, in the ballroom scene, Wendy... So, okay, because I'm thinking... Because, like, now we're watching movies like Hereditary, right? Where they're sitting at a table and they're having a conversation that's skirting around what they really want to say. And, like, I'm thinking if Jack and Wendy are sitting on opposite sides of the table, and if they were saying all of these lines rationally, it is kind of just like... it, it, Like, the lines on the page are kind of just like a couple's argument, like a couple's dispute. But because Jack thinks Wendy is so weak at this point, that's why she's a a blathering mess and can't swing the bat very hard. And yeah. And that's why he's like a gorilla that's been taken off of a chain. It's because he's like, imagine being taken, chased down by that person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that right. So each character is the projection of each other character. Um, so <laughs> Wendy fears Jack, so he's more ferocious than he would be in reality, or that he might mm-hmm. be in reality. We're just seeing it through her eyes. And Wendy is more a trembling, 
um, you know, difficult for him, for Jack because that's the way he's seeing her, and we don't know if that's really what she's like, and blah blah blah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. I mean that's a little bit, you know, like I mean Stephen King wanted this to sort of be the projection of Jack's alcoholism, you know. Right. So in a way, it you know that it, that is a little bit adjacent to that kind of idea, you know. Um, yeah, and I like any I like any um, like false narrator concepts. Like I love yes. that. You know, I love the that you're seeing. Like that's why I love Lolita. I know you know people are right kind of not as big on that book anymore. But I think that the whole point of that book is he's a disgusting human being. But you're seeing all of this through his brain. It's a false narrative. It's she she's horrified she wants to get out of the situation but he's mm -hmm. not going to tell you that you see little hints of it you know um right and i think kubrick got that completely wrong when he made her version of lolita but i think that's what the book is saying <laughs> and so i love i've always loved I, I actually am very attracted to books like that where it's a the you know the narrator is kind of bsing you because they're just telling you what they see which is what mm -hmm. humans are like you know so i, I like that yes. concept i like that concept because i think like in a society now where we're asking like for Midsommar, is Danny right for joining the cult? And like, how are we as audiences for wanting her to join the cult? Like, I think the real horror of The Shining is that we want Jack to die, is that uh. we want Wendy to overpower him and get out of there alive, when the real tragedy is that they're a family that's falling apart right? due to class problems because Jack just needs to keep a job. He also has alcohol problems, which is also a symptom of a class problem. But like that's to, it's almost more horrifying than the fact that he that he like freezes to death in the maze. It's like they got to that point. You know? Yeah. 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 And we were sort of talking about this a little bit um, with uh, what we do, the shadows, where Joe and I were arguing over um, whether you're sympathetic to Viago, who absolutely murders a woman to eat to stay you know he has to drink blood to live you know so he has to murder mm -hmm. people and joe was like you, you you don't feel you don't feel bad for her you feel bad for, you know you, you're sympathetic with viago and i was like no 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 and <laughs> it is interesting now again this also is you know shows a difference between i think you know just how different are all of our takes are when we're looking at a movie like depending on mm -hmm. where your what your background is what you know your upbringing was like and all that stuff mm -hmm. so um, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, it's interesting that even just how you, where your sympathies lie and empathies lie when you're watching a movie can be so different between people. Like I've heard people say, and I, I and again, I hate to gender this so much, but I've heard men kind of mm -hmm. say they, you know, men sort of see The Shining from Jack's perspective and they do find Wendy really annoying. Whereas, you know, I think we, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of women would just tend to we are seeing it through Wendy's eyes. You We're know, more just, sympathetic to her, the yeah. difficulty she's having communicating with him. And it's just how we were, you know, how we were raised. I mean, we just know that we are more vulnerable. We've lived our lives more vulnerably just because of who we are. And so, mm -hmm. um, again, it's just, yeah, it's it's all. So even horror, between horror and comedy, there's just like a completely different take depending on who you are watching it and just beyond gender of course it's true also is you know your socioeconomic background and mm -hmm. you know what region of the world you've grown up in and all that stuff you know it's it's all interesting so yeah i i mean that's actually a good idea also for a movie is um you know like uh, uh either a horror movie maybe it would work really well for a horror movie where you had the all of the characters just yeah you see each 
I wonder if it's been done if I thought hard enough, but yeah, where each character just Ooh. Yeah, like has a, a like a seven person uh cast where every time they're in the room with a different person it's like a whole different character. Yeah. Like, what? Wait, what? That's not who they were just talking to. Like, they they have an accent now. What? Right. Another movie for us to write. <laughs> right, right. Put it right. on the list. Right, right. And you show the differences between, yeah, and it, it's a very confusing movie, and you sort of have to, oh, you don't only really get it till the end where you sort of realize, like, oh, these are all just different takes of different, I don't know, yeah. You really have to guess what the narrative, the real narrative is. Well, you know, have you watched Climax? No. Burnaway's, uh movie from a few years ago? Uh-uh. Uh, uh, it's, um... It's very intense. Yeah, don't watch it when you're feeling, like, emotionally fragile. Because, okay. uh... It's a lot. It's, like, dizzying. Okay. So, um, but Gaspar Noé's instruction to this cast he had, they were all actual dancers um, from a troupe that performed together. They didn't have a script that they were working off of. It was more um, like path lines that they were supposed to cross. So it's not exactly the same idea as what we're talking about. Like, I love a scripted every time the character is very changed. But with Climax, it's like you get to see how everyone interacts with everyone a little differently. Mm Mm-hmm. And you'd probably, I think you'd probably really think it's really beautiful. It it's is. It's very an colorful. Incredible movie. Oh my gosh! And it, and you, if you love dancing, then sign you up for this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely. I'm right. I'm writing it down. And I think you're right. You know, I think that this concept works for The Shining. Like, I think that makes sense. And I think that you know, even you could argue that you know that was a little bit what Kubrick was thinking. I mean, ag- mm-hmm. again, I think. You know, uh, that's part of why it's a great movie is the the characters are heightened a little bit more. And that's why, you know, movies are movies, because it's more fun if the characters are kind of heightened beyond what we normally, uh, you know, what a normal person would be like. Um, right. And yes. that's why that was such a difficult role for Shelley Duvall. You know, it was just so intense. So I think that is not... Um, I don't think that's, I think that's within the absolute realm of even, you know, real reality of what Kubrick was kind of going for. I think that kind of makes sense. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) We just (laughs) high-fived. But okay. So Monsters from the Id could, thinking about shock treatment. Yeah. Could all of the recastings, like Cosmo and Nation and Ancelog, could that just be a red herring where we're just supposed to be distracted with questions like, is that Riff and Magenta and Columbia when we should be asking, are Brad and Farley the same character? Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's he is the same uh, actor playing both characters. Yeah. So it's. it's I feel like it's more far-fetched to be like, oh, yeah, these characters are clearly a totally different named person from six years ago, or who knows if that was even on the same timeline as shock treatment. Like, and so then we're not thinking about how maybe Farley could be Brad's id monster. 
Yeah, kind of the way they do the first shot where it's just you see him and then you see him again and they just did it in one long take. So you totally are misdirected to realize that they're the same person. Um, but right. also, yes. but also, it's interesting, isn't it true that they were thinking of Tim Curry for that role, yes. right? Now yes. that would have that would have really just cinched that, right? That would have really kind of really then you, then it's like um, real uh, musical chairs, you know, of characters. So, yes. Yeah. Because then if they'd recast Brad and Janet, but then it's all of the Transylvanians have come back again to terrorize a different group of people. You're like, oh, it's Tim Curry in the gang. Like, great, I believe it. But yeah, because then I'm thinking a shape-shifting Transylvanian could maybe just shape-shift into Brad's form and yeah. is now like just his doppelganger running around because he's a Transylvanian too. Yeah. My brain These hurts. are the meta levels we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I literally wrote in my notes, sorry, I got to go to the meta level there. I apologize. <laughs> That's my bad. Well, you know, this movie is confusing enough in the first place. Like, it really is like a very, and I love that. Isn't it true that um, uh, Patricia was just like, I don't even understand this movie at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't she know was like, I just show on. up. <laughs> I'm just going to read my lines. Richard asked me to be here. I guess I'll go. <laughs> Whatever. However they edit it together. I don't know. But yeah. Okay. Right. We'll, we'll see how it goes, I guess. <laughs> I love that. But okay. I have one final question that I'm just, it's something I'm trying to really go for. Because if Brad and Farley could, if, like if Farley could be Brad's id monster, could it be possible that Frankenfurter is Dr. Scott's id monster. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, you could pair him off that way. Um, and then throw into the mix, uh, I, I, if only they had had Meatloaf at playing both of those parts, you would have been like, you would have had a, a, a flush, a royal flush, or I don't know, something yeah. like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't love know. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, is, was there any, do you have any other thoughts on shock treatment? Anything else that, well, don't tell me all of your thoughts because I might just need to have you and Joe come yeah. represent Comedy Film Funnel yeah, he's, a little he, later in our season. I think he's, I think he's eager to do that. And I know that you wanted to save Barry Denon for him and he will love that. He will <laughs> love that. He will love that. So uh, yes. I think, I think that'll be fun. Uh, so definitely. Um, but in final thoughts is just, um, I uh, am like, I just love I do want to just stress that um, it's a sexist and, um, and and it ends with such a terrible um, you know 1980 era insult mm -hmm. but it's a great song and obviously they're making fun of you know they're making fun of this kind of guy who's such a jerk you know this kind of manly man but I love I love I do love uh, Manning Redwood's performance of that song I think that's a yes. I think that's a really good song and I like that they kind of doubled up his voice and I so just shout out to um the wonderful um Manning Redwood such a great yes. name such a great name too I mean <laughs> he, he that's a contrived name he but it's a good good pick I, I should have picked something it is like a good pick Manning Redwood <laughs> Manning Redwood so good if you want to seem manlier than you already are Manning Redwood is <laughs> Top of the list. <laughs> you can't, you really can't beat that. You yeah, really, you just read the name, you're like, that guy, 
Yeah, he, that's he's a man. A beefcake, I can tell. <laughs> I want that guy being my jerk who makes fun of everybody, you know, females. You know, that's yes. the guy. That's the guy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we are just about to record that episode mm-hmm. where we're going to analyze Thank God I'm a Man. Yeah. And um I'm also it's not to go too into it, but like the level of trauma that's caused from serving in the military is just yikes. Yeah. So, so there's the meta levels for you. <laughs> yeah. On that I, one. I know. There's so much, um, you know, do, doing these movie podcasts, you know, we just did a Patreon episode about um, uh, something I didn't know had blackface in it and it was making fun of Native Americans. And, you know, and but then at the same time, it was honoring in some ways black and Native American people in, a, you know, in at the same time, you know, and you get into these really crazy places but this is sort yeah. of the beauty of doing these podcasts i think it's you know it's really good for us to talk about this stuff and to parse the good and the bad and sometimes they happen simultaneously and you know i think his character is how else are we gonna learn yeah we, got, exactly. we gotta do it yeah yeah so I, I so anyway good good luck with that and i, will, <laughs> I look forward to, to listening to it but i do i do think that's a great song and i, I do like what they did with it so well, I just have to thank you so much again for being on our show today. And when and where and how can people listen to Comedy Film Funnel and your Twitter and all your other things? Well, uh, Comedy Film Funnel is just on YouTube. You can just easily um, search that on YouTube. And then I'm, uh, we have, you know, feeds for that on both Facebook and Twitter. But I love it when people follow me if they, if they don't mind. It's Susan Tekla Kruglenska. It's stupid name but s-u-z-e-n for s-u-z-e-n and uh i don't know i'm gonna link it in our description so don't don't worry about it and your name is not a dumb name no it's Uh, a beautiful name uh, it's a clunky it sounds like a bunch of shoes being dropped on the floor but that's my name (laughs) what can you do no uh, (laughs) i think it's like it's like a handful of really pretty gems (laughs) and there you go anyway so yeah i'd love to see anybody out there who follows these guys because i love these guys and so i want to be on board also so come on and visit me if you can that'd be great yes i again cannot recommend it enough and i i'm gonna hold you to doing an episode on false positive yes 100 100 i will do it absolutely yes oh my gosh thank you so much susan all right i will see you guys next time yes next time okay Thank you so much once again to Susan for talking with us, and thanks to you for tuning in to this special presentation. So don't forget, on on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, we watch Shockey. Shockey. Bye. Bye. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And please consider becoming a beloved patron. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.